What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. Now, I am joined today by a gentleman who started in Zaxby's as a team member, then manager, then GM, then catering, then marketing. Then he switched over to corporate, did marketing over there. He was snatched away by Grubhub for a little while before being pulled back into Zaxby's corporate. And he's currently the director of Off-Prem. Welcome, Nick Petrosci. What's up, man? What's up? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, super excited to have you. We met in Vegas, as uh, most good friends do, and we, um, you know, loved your panel. You, you obviously have a really interesting, uh, interesting title, doing cool things. Would love for you to first tell us a little bit about what does a director of off-prem do at Zaxby's? Sure. Yeah. So the off-prem title is fairly new to the restaurant industry. Generally, I think a lot of it came out from. COVID, we started thinking of this, the revenue center being outside those four walls, being outside of the parking lot, outside of the drive-through. And, and what does that mean? What should brands focus on? What technology do they need to implement it? Um, so Zaxby's kind of with new ownership, new leadership, um, we're like, man, we, we really need someone to, to manage this stuff, if only to get the third-party delivery partnerships under control to figure out what is our stance on catering, how we're going to focus on that. What does uh, a native delivery via Zaxby's.com look like? Should we explore self-delivery? And had all these very big existential questions. And we're like, we need to go find somebody who can at least wrap their arms around it. So I was I was in Boston at Grubhub. And I, I got a phone call to, to, to interview and, and met, with the, met with our CTO, uh, Mike Nettles. And uh, they convinced me to come back. So my, my day-to-day is really focused on, it's two things, two big buckets of work. It's off-premise for sure. So that's traditional partnership management, all the fun stuff, the contract. partnership, and, you mean like the DSPs? That's right. Yeah. DoorDash, oh. Grubhub, all, all of those guys, right? And so, so managing them, getting them enveloped in our ecosystem, helping them work for us kind of a thing and really focus on that. And then the second part of my role, we were in the midst of building out entirely new proprietary software for our app, for our website, middleware, data warehouse, all that stuff. And so they needed some product management skills to come in and, and help them drive uh, the roadmap and strategy for that through all these other partners. So. The flip side, I, I work on fulfillment product, which is very much like the technology infrastructure product management. And then I, I, I have a, a team for the off-premise stuff, uh, traditional off-premise, third-party delivery, easy cater, et cetera. Um, so that, that, is, that is roundabout the two. And I, I diluted it down. I'm really proud of myself for simplifying it that much. But, the, but those are the two buckets of work that I, I focus on. That's awesome. I think that makes a lot... That, that's really cool because it is such a dynamic industry. And um, by the time this airs, we'll probably have already been, but are you going to the food on the ghost kitchen conference? I'm not, I'm not. So I'm, I've subscribed to all the panels so I can get all the recordings. I think I'm out of town that week or something that I need to figure it out. But, But it's so interesting because 
it, it's it is so dynamic and there's so much happening that's changing day by day and then you have these big things like you know mr Beastburger coming out and sure. trashing on his brand and um you know all of these different things that you know w- what what is the future of off-prem and in yeah. your opinion what does that what does that look like i mean is this going to be something that's continuing on are we nearing the end is it just booming have we hit a a good stasis like where are we at with off-prem you know i think i think the funny thing is is we were in this really heightened period of acceleration because of covid right covid happened and it was like wow we have to figure out what happened overnight covid you know the pandemic Mm, that happened yeah Yeah. (laughs) we've all moved on um no but i I think there was an acceleration period where everybody was like oh my gosh let's bolt on as many things as we can do let's go maybe engage with partners that you know we're just stood up overnight and, and and figure out how to build all these things right and i think we're we're hitting a lull but we're also hitting another acceleration because what i mean by that is we're going to feel like it's a lull because we're all going to slow down and say, wait a second, what the heck does my tech stack look like? And what, what do I need to do? What do I need to build myself? What do I need to pull in house? What new partners do I need to go source to, to kind of start putting this together in a more strategic way? We're kind of, we're getting to that point where we're coming out of survival mode and that we have to have this stuff. And now it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's reset the foundation. Let's make sure that we're, we're all straight and and moving forward. But pre COVID, I, customers were already begging us for this stuff. I mean, restaurants are historically slow to adopt some of this technology, especially like when you see hotels are moving to keyless, you know, I don't even check into a hotel anymore. I have an app. I go right to my room. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you saw a lot of the hospitality start to really move towards technology, Amazon prime prime. Now the grocery delivery services, like all that stuff was happening pre COVID. And then it became like a survival lifeline post COVID. So Customers wanted it then. They still want it now. If not even more so now, they expect it now. And so restaurants are are going to be in this low period to figure out what they need to build. But then I think we're going to hit another acceleration period to see a lot of adoption. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a natural like swing of the pendulum. It's like, okay, they gave us some grace post-COVID to get things figured out. They're coming back around and saying, all right, we've given you enough time to figure this out. Go figure it out and, and make my experience easier. And what what do you think goes into making? Well, actually, let's, let's talk about what, what people get wrong first. What do people, when you look at the off-prem industry right now, what would you say? These are some things that like you gotta fix because these are some things, Mister, Mrs. Restaurant, like that you're doing wrong. I think the I think you know, I think the main thing is stop treating these digital guests as somehow removed from your actual guest experience. Hey, um, freaking men, Nick. I think preach it. <laughs> I think we're just struggling to see them as real people. It's almost like, oh, they're just an annoying DoorDash mm. order or they're just an annoying yes. digital order. And I'm like, what what do you mean? If anything, the person that's annoying is coming through the drive-thru with five screaming kids and ordering <laughs> on the fly versus, you know, somebody who sat there and took the time and selected everything. So I think that's a that's a culture shift. And for a lot of brands, it's happening kind of naturally because their percentage of sales is so tied up in the digital guests. I mean, you look at Starbucks, you look at hotels where the majority of the reservations are coming through. So they they already have to treat everybody as equal. Whereas again, more traditional restaurants still might be hovering 10, 15%, maybe even sub 20% mark. And that's still not enough for them to convince, you know, well, 
70% of my users are coming from somewhere else. So I really want to focus on them. So I think, I think that's the main thing is, is committing to figuring out what makes a digital experience the best for them, for your food, for what you're doing, where you are, and then make sure that the guest, the digital guest is feeling as heard as important as all that. And for a digital guest to feel as heard and important, it's really just down to fast food, accurate, and as fresh as you can get it, right? Um, from an off-premise perspective. And I think that's the, that's the biggest miss that I, I think a lot of restaurants are struggling with and trying to figure out how to do that. And we, we see it all the time, especially with the guest experience aspect of things, because, you know, they're like, like, okay, what's your guest experience strategy? And they'll tell me all about how they train their people to come up to the tables and the, do the perfect table touch and how they have secret shoppers that will go in and fill out these thousand question surveys about that one experience in the month and like all these things. And I'm like, okay, but like, what about, what about people who order in DoorDash? They're like, right. yeah, I mean, like we, we get those reviews and I'm like, okay, that's like so random that you'll put all of this effort into yep. creating uh, a great guest experience. But then to your point, it's like, and then they order from someplace else. And it's like, okay, well, like, bye. Like, for example, when I go to Zaxby's, I've been to Zaxby's, I've ordered third party, I've dined in, I've gone drive through. And does, am I a different customer? Do I have different needs? Do I want Zaxby's to fill a right. different bucket for me in each of those cases? No, I just want to deliver differently. I, I want to consume right. it differently. I, I want to bring it back to my office. I want to dine in. Like, it doesn't matter. Like I still need, I still need it to be good food, accurate with uh, packaging that doesn't make it turn into like a soggy pudding. Right. Um, that's right. And I, and especially, I think that's one thing being that a lot of your, your food is fried. How do you manage the packaging? Cause that is, that is tough. And we, tough. we see our, our customers who do fried chicken and French fries. It's, it is a real challenge. How have you found, you know, you don't have to give away all the secrets, but what have you found to be successful, Nick? It, the, the biggest thing that I can tell you about any kind of hot food, any kind of temperature controlled food is the least amount of time you can leave it out of the custody of you or the guest is going to be best. So meaning shortening that delivery time to as much as humanly possible and doing that requires the right infrastructure in store, your drivers can get out of their vehicles, pick up their orders really quickly and move out. Like if you're making it really difficult, if you're making drivers wait in line, wait in the drive through and you've got food sitting on a rack or something like that, you're going to struggle with it. So for us, it was, you know, we're one of the top, one of the fastest deliveries in DoorDash, like compared to their enterprise brands. Um, we're under 28 minutes right now. And that's an under like five minute driver wait time. Um, and we try to get, get that as low as possible, even sub three minutes. Cause if you can get to that 25 minute mark, you're pretty much at parity for what your drive through customer is going to experience, right? They're handed food. They leave your parking lot. They uh -huh. have a commute home, right? So they have 10, 15 minutes. I don't know if you've ever tried to eat in a chicken finger sandwich or a salad in your car. Not easy. Not easy. Most of them are most of them are eating it at their destination, right? So when you have a when you have a drive-through situation, what we know about our demographics, where we're spaced from a customer perspective, if we can get as close to we possibly can as 25 minute total delivery time, then we're we're essentially at parity at the majority of our customers that come through our drive-through and eat our food. So yeah, because I mean, that's 
the only time that you're eating food is like, you know, you're out there sneaking a couple of French fries and, right, and, exactly. uh, you know, maybe the DoorDash driver is too, but maybe not, you know, I don't know. Do you ever throw yeah, in extra fries? Seals. Oh, oh, seals. There we go. You got to get those seals, seals on. Kind of, kind of the stickers <laughs> on. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really trying to minimize that window and packaging is, I mean, everybody's trying to figure that out. Right. And it's expensive. It's tough to figure out. There's not a lot of packaging companies that are doing a lot of really cool novel things that are also cost con- conductive to a restaurant. So I think we're still figuring that out and we'll, we'll continue to work on, it, especially for like bulk items, but if we can keep the keep the food out of the driver's hands for as long as possible in the shortest period of time in their car or just kind of sitting, uh, then then we're then we're better off. Awesome. Love that. Um, what is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays, Nick? So I started as a cook. Um, and that colored my thinking. I uh, you know, I I joke with friends a lot, you, you don't really think of Nick Petrocci and guest experience. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm what not, does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, I'm just not overly like, uh, you know, just like my, Were you my about definition, to say you're not overly kind. Well, I, I guess I'm always polite. I, I think, you know, there's some people who are just really bubbly and smiley and things like that. And sometimes that's anything me, but, about that. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, um, so I, I always use that to color my thinking. And even when I got to a manager role, it was very much like I was more comfortable in the back. I was cross-trained on everything. I was cashier for, I was one of the best drive-through cashiers because I was quick. <laughs> Tell me what you're ordering, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I always go back to, for restaurants, the best guest experience is the hottest food possible at most accurate and on the time that they want it, right? Like, and I think that's, you can, you can, play around with the other stuff of, well, make sure you say thank you three times or make sure when you're resolving problems that you say, I apologize three times. And there's lots of steps that you can train your front of house staff to just interact better with guests and try to interact aligned with your brand. But but ultimately, it's going to come down to the food. I mean, you're only getting returning guests because they crave your, flu- your food. The flavor profile is unique and it's what they want. And for Zaxby's, like, our, our best guest experience on the best day is the hottest food possible when they want it on time and, and, and accurate. Right. And that's always been my thing. And I think all that other stuff is super important and we should. Um, but I, I think that at its core, when you look at brands that have just stood the test of time, um, brands that aren't known for overly warm, hospitable guest experience, because their flavor is still something that people crave 40, 50 years cross generations later. Right. And it's just because they've got that so right that everything else is, is uh, beneficial to that core mission of their food. So that that's for me coming from a cook. Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. Like lead with what you're lead with what they're buying. Right. Right. Everything else is, is it's not that it's unimportant, but that, your table stakes, you have to, you have to Andy up if you want to play in the game. And it, it, it's really, it's food service impression, right? Where yep. what, it, and the on time, the timeliness, it's so key because yep. I was just reading through, um, reading through some reviews yesterday, going through back end, looking at doing these large reporting and people get real mad when you make them wait. And yep. can you blame them? What right. what more? Because what are you doing when you're sitting there waiting? You're like, man, I could be with my family, I could be with my friends, I could be watching a show. There's so many things That's I could right. be doing. Except I'm here waiting for this like stupid, 
you know, basket of chicken and uh, it gets really frustrating. Then it doesn't really matter how good it is because you're just like annoyed. Right. Um, So what are some, some successful tactics that you've seen or tried lately to improve the guest experience? I think for, I think for us, at least, I, I think we finally kind of grew up and we said, okay, we actually need to focus on this. Like we need to, we need to, we need to have a guest experience strategy let's go get a team to strategize, drive the business vision for what this looks like and, and get professionals in the space and, and bring them in. And, and we have, and that's that's already started moving the needle to where we don't make operational changes until guest experience weighs in. We, you know, when we, when we make marketing decisions, guest experience weighs in, right? Like, because anything that we're putting in front of the guests, we want those professionals to do it. Um, so don't rely on cooks like me to fully drive your guest experience strategy. Um, just go hire professionals who have a heart and soul for that kind of stuff. Cause that's super important. And then from there, I mean, once you have that team in place, get first party feedback, I think you can do segmentation studies and consumer trends and all the live long day. But if you aren't actually ears to the ground, what your customers are telling you about their experience, you're always going to be in the dark. Um, so there's lots of insights platforms. Ovation's one of them. And to get actionable insights from that of like, okay, we need to focus on accuracy, but what of accuracy do we need to focus on? Is it forgetting the sauces in the bag? Is it not having the receipts? So nobody's, nobody knows what they're looking for. Like, what, what does that mean? And so from that, like accuracy, for an example, like sauces was our big issue and continues to be an, an issue that we, we we try to figure out, especially for digital experience. So we've gotten tech partners, we're doing shoulder to shoulder training, lots of accountability, and it's it's early, but I mean, what we've seen so far is super positive. Customers are receiving their sauces and they're generally happier with us because that's what they were asking for. We met that need and, and we're seeing this the, the swing um, in our favor. And then the last thing I'll say is, we stopped doing something as well. Um, and, and again, this is kind of those mid-level, mid-sized brands out there who are who are looking at their next big growth phase. For us, we were looking at that and we're like, well, this is the way Zaxby's has always done it. So we're always going to do it this way. The fact of the matter is, is we're in a super crowded environment now. You have Starbucks, you have other chicken chains that I won't mention. You have Amazon, you have Nike, you have grocery stores, you have uh, hotels that are all doing these things And they're training your guests. They're training your guests on the expectations that they have, no matter, they don't care what sign is on the front of the door. They're rolling into a drive-through. They have certain expectations of what that looks like, right? And so we had to stop getting in our own way and saying, we're not going to use those other ideas. We don't want to be those other brands. And it's like, there's absolutely some way to recycle some ideas. Um, I, I say this to all my peers, we're all beholden to Starbucks. I mean, Starbucks started this. They're the ones who got the legs off the ground. The scan and store process is super painful for a lot of QSRs. Starbucks made the rules on that. We're not going to be able to train an entire generation of users to abandon that that process or not use it, right? So it's we have to find the inroads and, and make it match where it makes sense and recycle the good stuff that's out there. And there there is some really good stuff out there, not just from the restaurant vertical, retail, hospitality, all the way down. Yeah, I, someone that I follow, Dan Martell. Um, if you don't follow him, check him out. He's just incredible, super smart. I worked with him for a while, and um, he was one of my coaches. And one of the things that he always says is R and D, baby, rob and duplicate, right? 
because <laughs> these these big brands have spent a lot of money doing a lot of right. things to figure things out. Zaxby's included, and so right, like right. see what they're doing and and uh, try it out. So I think that's I think that's awesome. Um, Nick, who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry? Who is someone that we should be following? Man, I, I thought about this one for a while when I saw the question come across. And I was like, man, who, who am I going to go with? And so this is a brand that I got to work with on their their launch of their first loyalty program, the launch of their first app, um, their first kind of e- e-commerce foray into the mobile world uh, when, I was with, when I was with Grubhub. And um, their whole team was just so awesome. Like everything about them exuded servant leadership and the way that they approached things. And one thing that was so clear is that they knew who they were. They knew what kind of brand they were. It's Duck Donuts. They're based in Pennsylvania. They started in Duck, North Carolina. Um, Betsy Hamm, who's who's CEO over there, she's been in the role for a while now. Uh, I mean, just an incredible team. She's pulled together a lot of really sharp people who, who just care so much about what the brand looks like. And their biggest calling card is they knew that they were a special occasion brand. Instead of running from it, like you have some other, you know, maybe casual chains that kind of run from it. Well, I just don't want to be the birthday chain. They really leaned into it and say, well, every time you visit a Duck Donuts, it's a special occasion. And I think that's so sharp and so smart to where, you know, if I had a bad day at work, I pull pull over to Duck Donuts and grab a dozen donuts and go eat them at home in my alone in my apartment or something, you know, like (laughs) they just, they make everything so cool and like everything's so exciting. And every month they have new donuts and they're, they're super high growth right now, fast pace and, Betsy's awesome, super nice. I don't know if you guys have crossed paths, but she's she's great. So shout out to shout out to my friends at Duck Donuts. I, I miss those guys. Well, Betsy, I'm coming for you. Would love to have you on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I think that's that's awesome. But love love Duck Donuts, and yeah, I think that they, there's something so powerful in leaning in, leaning yeah. into what others run away from because it, it really helps you to stand out there. Um, yep. And you know, once the cookie craze. Uh, yeah. crumbles, pun intended. I don't know what's going to be next. Is it going to be cinnamon rolls? Is it going to be yeah. donuts? Um, is it going to be, you know, I, anyway, I, I personally yeah. think it's between cinnamon rolls and donuts in terms of like, yeah, what's going to happen. Zaxby's next. just released funnel cakes. So maybe we're starting a trend, you know, oh, we've got I, funnel cakes now. So and I did see a Everybody. store that was like, uh, it was a funnel cake store that's opening up by me. And I'm like, that oh, sounds yeah. extra. But yeah. Anyway. Um, well, how do people find and follow you or Zaxby's? So our social team, special shout out to them. They're doing some really fun stuff. I personally enjoy our Twitter and TikTok the most. So that's just at Zaxby's. Um, Instagram is always a good spot too. It's in that one's at real Zaxby's. Um, we've got some competing interests on there. So real Zaxby's is us on Instagram. Um, or, I mean, look, I built the website, so I'm, I'm a little biased, but Zaxby's.com and, and the Zaxby's app, we'd love to have you have you download if you're nearby one, start earning rewards and points. And, and then on me, I'm, I'm boring. I'm just on good and good and faithful LinkedIn, uh, forward slash and Petrochi. So I, I do try to post fairly regularly about what I see that's going on on and try to give my two cents where I'm asked for it. Um, but, but would love to connect uh, with, with folks on there or, or my Instagram, which is the same handle and Petrochi. You're welcome to follow me and all my adventures with my super fun niece and nephew and, and, and things like that. But um, my dog, of course, makes a, makes a pe- an appearance course. on my Instagram pretty much weekly. See, so. You're not, a, you're not prickly, Nick, you know, you're, yeah, yeah. You get to- Anyway, well, Nick, for helping us keep on trend with Off-Prem, today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us and giving ovation, Nick. 
I appreciate it, Zach. Thank you. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.